everybody. Welcome to Utterly Astounded, where eschatology meets current events meets real life. At least my regular real life at home here in Southern California. Well, welcome everybody. I have with me today Anthony, who works with the Department of Homeland Security, and he just got back from the southwest border. He has been with ICE for over 15 years. He is married, has three kids. He's a Los Angeles native. And I'm not going to give too many personal details because of the sensitive nature of his job, but I do know that tacos are his favorite food. And please pronounce it correctly, <laughs> Anthony. How do you say it? Yes, you're right. It's a Al Pastor Thank tacos. Thank you. <laughs> yes. So we are going to chat today about his work, about God's word, and about increasing lawlessness. So... I would just love it, Anthony, if you would give the listeners a little, maybe five-minute testimony of how you got saved, because sure. we all love to just know how God brought you to himself. Sure, sure. Thank you for having me. This is a pleasure, and I'm thankful for um, you inviting me onto your podcast. Uh, this is something that's near and dear to my heart, obviously. I've been in this career field for 15 years, so thank you again for having me. So yeah, I grew up in the Christian uh, church family since I was born. Uh, parents going to the Christian church, and uh, you know, I knew all the good stuff, the doctrine, how to quote-unquote say the sinner's prayer. Um, so growing up, I just felt like I was going to get into heaven on uh, my dad and mom's coattail. Um, you know, all that whole saying, and uh, did the bad things, but you know what, went to church on Sundays. So was forced to go to church on Sundays, uh, all the way up until 22, and that's when I uh, was uh, pricked in my heart by the Holy Spirit, and uh, I was at work. It was funny. I was working for JCPenney Loss Prevention, and I was in my security office, and uh, just, I don't know, I just started thinking, and it just broke down in tears, and uh, a young guy, young man, uh, growing up in the barrio, you know, getting to get jumped into a gang, crying by myself in my security office, uh, the Lord was just speaking to me. Uh, not audibly, we all know that, but just I was reminded of my wretched sin um, and how much I needed forgiveness of my sin. And just out of nowhere, I just felt that conviction. And thankfully so, because at that point, I was just, I just cried out at work, cried out to God just for asking for forgiveness of my sin. And it, it was, it was, it was 22 year, uh, I'm sorry, the year 2002. So it's about 20 years, March, actually, last month. So praise God. Yeah, I, I came, became a believer. I repented of my sin and um, believed in Christ as my uh, Lord and Savior. Um, yeah, and it's just been a, a journey. Um, no, perf Not perfect, and that's the whole point. Um, we're just uh, sinners um, need, in need of grace and uh, asked God to forgive me, and he forgave me. And as long as I continue to follow him and believe that he is the Christ, the Messiah, the one that forgives the my sins, um, I know that I will be able to rejoice one day in heaven. Um, but more than that, I'm here for a purpose, a reason. Um, many things have happened throughout those 20 years, my 40 years plus years of life um, that just, I call them spiritual markers. And I look back and say, this is God's providence. This is God's sovereign care on my life. So yeah, even now today, you know, I'm in church, I'm involved, um, I love the Lord more than ever, and I continue to study and to know more about my Savior, what more uh, better opportunity to be able to grow in theology, and then uh, work in a place where theology and anthropology and just life in general work and the, the, the crossroads meet so I can apply what I learned biblically and just practically do it in my 
life, but also my career field working with ICE. Wow, that is a beautiful story. Don't you love how God's grace just sort of swept in and rescued you? And I love it. I love it, Anthony, right there in the middle of JCPenney right. Loss Prevention Services. That is so wonderful. And so you grew up, like you said, kind of in the barrio, sort of, that was that was your life and right. that was your family situation and that was your culture. Yes. And so it's really remarkable really that you came out of that and God gave you a new path in a new way. Just curious, how did your friends react? How did your family react? I'm sure your family was excited because they were Christians. But... Yeah. Yeah. It's just a uh, mix, mix, uh, reactions, mixed uh, emotions. Um, thankfully at that point, I get when I, you know, when I became a believer, um, I was on the road to getting jumped into the gang and the Lord had a different plan for my life. So it was, it's just all divine, um, mm -hmm. a calling. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, wow, it wasn't much further. I would have been down the wrong road. And like I said, we're all sinful, but I did not go down the road to a place where I couldn't act in a officer um, situation as I am now. I mean, I have the street cred and knowledge, but right. I didn't have that law breaking um, experience at, the, at that point, which, which by the grace of God, thankfully, because I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. So, you know, my parents were happy and my family for the most part, because they were all believers, um, friends, uh, they weren't dishappy. They were just like, Oh yeah. Okay. Good for you. Yeah. Right? Good for you. Cool. You want to <laughs> yeah. come hanging out with us? And I'm like, no, 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 we're yeah. changing. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> Different life now. Thank you very yes. much. Yeah. <laughs> that, yes. that old man is dead. Definitely. So that's just, that's just wonderful. And I love that. Like you said, God's providence, because you were going to become an ICE agent, he had to keep you from some of the things that would have stunted that Correct. had you gone down that path. So Correct. see, in every little thing, he has a control. Well, how about tell me about your job? Maybe a typical day, how long we know how long you've been with ICE, but what kind of things have you seen change over the years? I'm really interested in that and just really in kind of enforcing the laws, the way the government is handling things. And also, because we've talked a little bit about this, just the attitude of the people who are coming across the border. So can you address some of that? For sure. Uh, <clears throat> I'll start off with the first and foremost. Um, this is my opinion and my experience. Um, I don't speak for my agency, and I also don't um, want to say I'm speaking from the left or the right, but I'm speaking from my experience and what I've seen. So I would say it's truth, not my truth, but the truth of upholding the laws and what laws are there and what we're tasked to do. So with that said, my career, my job entails, it's almost impossible to describe, but I'm going to put it at the layman's terms. We're, I'm like a border patrol agent, but inland. So I tell that to everybody to start off. Border patrol, could only, they only, not could, but they're tasked to do um, from the border up to 75 miles inland. So ICE take over from there. ICE officers take over from there. We, so we interview at, for example, one of our duties is interviewing at jails and prisons, all foreign-born criminals. Um, and then at that point, we bring them into our custody if they're foreign born and they're criminals and they are able to be processed into removal proceedings, meaning fighting their immigration case before an immigration judge. Um, that's one aspect. Another aspect would be um, as these guys are ordered deported, these criminals are ordered deported. They are let out in the street for one reason or another. And we're a part of a warrant team. And we'll go out and get the hundreds of thousands of final orders, people that have orders that are final that have to go back to their country, whether it's 
East Asia, whether it's the South um, America, whether it's Europe, wherever it may be, um, we actually go to their houses uh, with a warrant, pick them up, and then we bring them into our custody. And the, the perk of one of our um, duties is we actually fly them to their country. So that's another thing. And then the final one of the final things, will, um, like I said, it's such a broad aspect. But then a final thing would be working with a, a task force, whether it's with the different uh, federal agencies or even local agencies. So we go. So, yeah, we pick them up and put them through federal prosecutions. And there's a bunch of different little details there. But um, that's a few in of our detail, our duties. Um, and it goes on and on and on from there. Like I said, since we're federal agents, officers, we just we do things throughout the whole nation. And this question just came to me as I was thinking about it. And I don't know if you would have the statistic. This would be more of kind of off the top of your head. But for every one that's actually caught, I want to use the word caught, mm -hmm. or the warrant is served and there's some kind of justice brought, how many do you, you think go free in the country? Ooh, that's, I don't know the statistic, but there, it's a high, a high percentage that don't actually get removed. We call it removed now to be, you know, politic politically correct. So they don't actually get removed, or we call it deported, to their country. Now, right now with this current administration, maybe there's a good 75% of people that don't get deported removed to their country. That's a it's high percentage. Huge percentage. It's and, been a big transition. Okay, wait, did everybody hear that? You have a new word. Now we can't say deported, we have to say removed. Correct. Oh, this just gets better and better. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, another, so another word would be, technically I, I enforce the INA, the Immigration Natural, Naturalization um, Law. And in the actual law, it says illegal aliens. But per the new administration, we have to be politically correct. So we have to say non-citizens. And it's just mind-boggling because the law states, quote unquote, you're a criminal, you're a criminal. The law states you're an illegal alien, you're an illegal alien. But now to be sensitive, I guess, in some people's eyes, is you have to say a non-citizen, which just boggles my mind. And it's just a, a morale. It just depletes people's morale in our career field as officers. Um, so, and I yeah. think that's an important point because we want your morale to be high. You do an incredible work and it's really important for the country. And so that's just sad to me that that has something to do even with the morale. And I don't even know where people got this idea that saying an illegal alien was bad somehow. It's just a, a term for the truth. You're not foreign. I mean, you're foreign born right. and you're right. illegal because you're not here legally. Yes. So, but we know this is, this is 2022 right. and we can't tell the truth anymore, et cetera. <laughs> yes. But anyway, <laughs> well, let's talk about two. I think we spent a little time with this before, but what do you see in the people coming across the border? I want to ask this question. Are they mostly men? The people that I know you're not border patrol, but is that what is what's coming across? No, no. Mostly so, men or? so right now, currently, it's mostly, they call them FAMU, the family units. Okay. And it's mostly women with children. Okay. Um, and few and far in between, there, there's men as well, but the most part right now, what's coming through is the family units. Mm -hmm. And so whether it's a mom with one or 10 kids, it's that's what we're dealing with mainly. Another thing is, is that um, that's the Southwest border from Arizona to Texas, it's family units. But it doesn't mean that they're true family units. With that being said, is that there's, I've, I've come across where a lady's bringing three kids and there's a kid creaking and screaming. I thought, oh, he just has a bad behavior. You know, he doesn't, she doesn't have a hold of her child and whatnot. 
lo and behold, as we interview, it's her cousin's friend's son. And it's like, wow. So me, there's a fine line right now for me morally and theologically speaking. What do we do with this? Do we whistleblow? Do we report them to authorities, which nothing's happening? Or are we going to allow, in my eyes, in my view, are we going to allow this trafficking? This is technically trafficking right. that we're allowing to happen. But we don't, quote unquote, use that word because it has a bad look to it or it sounds bad. But it is bad. And it's something that we're kind of, and I and I bring this up, we're kind of legally trafficking people. And, and I say that with great sadness because we're instructed to do what we're doing and it's not we're 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 not breaking the law but man we're walking a fine fine line right now and it's just heartbreaking to try to maneuver that with the heart that knows the bible and is trying to apply practically how to handle the illegal immigration and practically how do i do this just from a society's point of view because they see it totally different oh let everybody and anybody in wow do you know what's happening this, that, and the other, we can go on with that. Right, right. And I think that's a very, very important point because, of course, like you said, you've got these ethical questions and these right. moral quest questions and these biblical questions, and they're sitting in front of you. So that's yes. a really difficult position to be in. But you're right, society, you can't just collectively say, we know that, let everybody in, because how many are too many? Right. How many can we sustain? Correct. And that is a huge problem besides the fact that we know that God's law and governmental laws are there for reasons. And so we'll talk about that too in a little bit. But I want to ask you this. Do you see lawlessness increasing? And of course, I'm going to read verse uh, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 3. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders without self-control, brutal despisers of good and on it goes so basically lawlessness and we know the crime rate is just ratcheting up right yes. mm -hmm. so even in the amount of time that you've been doing this have you seen some of that have you seen evil men going from bad to worse or just more of a heartlessness kind of i think is what yeah. i am seeing more and more and brazen brazen lawlessness right yes i have and, and it's it's a uh, on one sense it's heartbreaking on this sense it's just eye-opening Thankfully, I'm in this uh, field and I've known since a kid how to be diligent and vigilant and where I look and what I look at and how I go about, you know, just protecting myself. But even with the, my wife and family, just knowing how to read someone's uh, vibe and someone's movements and how to look for a potential something to go bad with that. So, but yes, lawlessness. And I've been reading about this lately, especially working with ICE, but uh, it's a rebellion. It's a rebellion against laws, you know? So I have seen it. Um, it, it, I think it's more, um, it's skyrocketed and it's more open. Um, it's always been there, but yeah, now it's more open and specifically now because um, they don't see a, a repercussion. So they're like, hey, we're not getting in trouble. Let's just go. Why not? You know. So yeah, there's been a there's been a skyrocket in lawlessness from just the just the basics. You know, we used to, especially people from coming from um, jails and prisons, they're more respectful. They they know the the how to go through things. They know what's going on. They know how to respect officers for the most part. But um, those that are coming through the border, um, they don't have that. They're hey, we're here. You guys have no laws against us. Well, you guys are not enforcing us, forcing them. Uh, we're gonna do what we want. And then when they get here in front of us, 
we deserve this. Where's my, I want to see the doctor. It's like, wait, I, I, and we are giving them free doctor's visits, free dentists. Um, we're giving, when I worked in Texas, um, free haircuts, free manicures, free pedicures. Right manicures when they, yes, and pedicures? Yes, yes. Man, I'm going to the Texas border. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it's, it's funny, but on the same time, it's like, wow, we are spending so much of our cap in the economy-wise money on people that are not here legally. But what about those that are here legally? But yet they come here with, law, with a lawless heart and say, you know what? Why even stop from coming? Because my cousin's here and they've been here for six months and they're getting so much. They're getting free welfare. They're getting free, you know, work authorizations. All, all uh, under the guise of, hey, we deserve it. And that's the I see right now, especially with the, the women and the family units, the mothers or the aunts or whoever's coming, the grandmas, we deserve to be here because and they, they have their own reasons or excuses. Wow. And see, I think that, too, is that what was I just reading in the scripture there? Just the unthankful aspect. Right. That prompts the arrogance, that prompts the, you know, ungrateful for what you have. And I'm going to break the law and then receive so much more or get so much more or you owe me. Yes. It's the entitlement and you owe me. And it's not the way that the Lord has structured it. Right. I mean, right. You, you work. He says you work and you have rewards. And yes. from that... And you abide by the law, even if you're living in a hard or difficult country, that's still part of God's design. And I'm not saying don't try to come to America, right. but of course you would agree with me. Do it according Do it to legally. the law. Yes. Do it legally. Yes. And, and so, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. I mean, they and, and there are some that do it legally, but the majority right now are not. And like you said, I I highly encourage you to do, to do it legally, but... On the flip side, here's the flip side. Our immigration laws are so broken and the left can't meet with the right. We can't have a roundtable talk and try to figure things out. So what's happening is they're trying. Well, the administration right now is saying, you know, come now because in the long run, and this is off the record, so to speak, that they're going to pass an amnesty bill. And if you're here now, just like when Reagan did in the early 80s, if you're here now, you'll get amnesty for the most part. Um, so they're trying to rush here to be able to have presence in the United States to get amnesty so they don't have to get removed to their country. And that's the big kicker where it's like, wait, hold on. We're getting rid of all these little, because there's a lot of injunctions going on and we can go on all kinds of injunctions that are happening, whether it's Texas or Arizona or California, but they're trying to get here before the injunctions run out or a judge rules against it or with it, but they need to get here to show presence foot on the in, on the in the United States, should I say? And then they can say, you know what? I want to claim asylum or refugee or some type of benefit, so it will be even harder in the long run to remove them. Yes, they'll go to removal proceedings, being seen before an immigration judge, but this takes years and years. And by that time, they've been here and they've they've established a, a life here in in America. Right, right. So it's very calculated. Yes. And I, again, I understand. I understand why you would want to come here. It's not for anything like that. And of course, I want people to have enough food and quality of life and health care and all of those things. But part of it is your worldview. And we understand we live in a fallen world. Correct. And so not everybody is going to have everything netted out perfectly and have a manicure and a pedicure and be able to afford those things. <laughs> right. I mean, because God has 
chosen different things for different people. And that's just, again, part of your worldview, which at the bottom line, if that is not understood and it's not from a Christian worldview, then it's this belief that we have to make everything equal and everybody has to get the same yeah, amount. Humanitarian rights, you know, Human we're rights. looking out for our neighbor, love thy neighbor. Let's take that scripture out of context. Love thy neighbor, you know, so it's just kind of like, man. I wish, and obviously there's a reason, but I wish people would, you know, use those scriptures and really be knowledgeable of them. Loving thy neighbor is not allowing your neighbor to come in and destroy America, your house, whether it's the money, the economy is being destroyed, whether it's inflation going up because of this. They're not coming here and getting free services. Us law-abiding citizens are paying our taxes and actually going to that. So, exactly. I mean, there's certain, there's certain things. Like, like I said, they come here for asylum and refugee. Um, but when you claim asylum and you're coming from, let's just say, Turkestan, you're supposed to, or uh, the idea is to go to the next free country. Right. Not fly across the world and come to Mexico and say, I want to claim asylum in the uh, United States. Right. No, when you're coming from, you know, Korea, you don't say, I want refugee in America. You have to fly across the, uh, the, the world and claim refugee status at a border. Right. No, the real way to do it, there's a protocol. But since the lackadaisical laws are not being enforced nowadays, they're doing that and they're getting away with it. Right. And this is just a sidebar, but... I just saw on the news the other day, and this is what it reminds me of, sort of, like you're saying, there's a protocol, and because things are disintegrating, and the whole, you know, we won't get into defund the police and all that, but in Santa Monica, there is a neighborhood right now where the postal service just told them these 200, on a 200 block of people and units and apartments and houses that they're no longer going to be delivering the mail to them, that right. they have to go to the mail office to pick up their mail because there's somebody terrorizing that area that is attacking the postal workers. Yeah. So instead of dealing with actually getting the person or what have you, they're going to make the citizens pay. It's like, we're going to have to start paying. It's going to be third world country right. and we're not going to lock down on the criminals like we need to. Instead, we're going to punish the people who are doing right yeah. and we're going to let the criminal go free. And so that's kind of in a broad sense, what's happening all over. Yes. And it's just happening more and more. Yes. So I just want to ask briefly about terrorist activity. I'm thinking about that, Anthony, because it is the month of Ramadan. So many Muslim <laughs> terrorist attacks, you know, are right. more likely. And how likely is that to play out through people coming across the border that are just bad actors, you know, that are coming here specifically to cause havoc, terrorist attack, mayhem and do you have any advice about that what do you think about that yeah um yeah that's the biggest point that i'm just i don't want to say fearful but concerned i tell everybody and i'll say it here is that it's not if it's going to happen it's when it's going to happen there's already cells we call them and we all know that cells in the united states that are just waiting to you know to get the call um but speaking of the border and what's going on now um yeah it's so easy right now they stopped building the wall um, and I was in Texas and I was literally, they call it tent city where they're just popping up tents to house these people for 48 hours. And right next to the tent city, um, the gates, there's the quote unquote Trump wall that he, we paid for, but just laying there on pellets. I'm like, why aren't we utilizing the funds instead of keeping these people and housing them? Why aren't we utilizing the budgeted funds for this already that's been budgeted in the economy to continue to build the wall? But if we're not building the wall or having more agents being hired, um, it's so right now it's already easy. It's but it's not getting any harder for illegal 
criminals, which they're all federally criminals, but illegal terrorists are potential terrorists, haters of America, haters of freedom, and just haters of people that don't go with their the same thought process, ideological thoughts, um, it's easy for them to come. I mean, we catch them, I want to say in the daily. It's not brought up on mainstream because that's something that, you know, they don't want people to know because it will go against the narrative of why are we allowing these people to come. But it's happening and it's happening daily. Wow. That is a really startling statistic. Daily. daily. You're catching people yes. who would be on a watch list or wow. potentially happening or coming from a terrorist country, country. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and on and on and on. And yet the administration is saying, we're not going to, we're going to, I think they're doing, there's a talks going on with Iran and they're taking them off the terrorist watch right. list or something. Which at, is unconscionable. Yes. I, yeah. <laughs> so you know that, which way that's going to go down. Right. Exactly. And I would just say this too, uh, that I think I heard it once and I don't want to get into a whole self-defense discussion, but I did hear it one time the the first three seconds of a terrorist situation, that's when everything goes down for you. Like, in other words, you have three seconds to react. If you're sitting outside at a cafe, if you're at the mall or whatever. And I tell people, and at first I think that they were thinking that I was a little bit hyper vigilant or a little bit crazy or what have you, but I don't think so anymore. Like I tell them, you know, when I go into a mall, I am always looking for my exits. And I drill myself. I say, if somebody came in here or here, where is my nearest exit? Where would I run? And what would I do? Because when I heard that, I thought, okay, let me be prepared. And if I can think straight in those three seconds, then I'm going to have a better chance. Right. And and I would say from my perspective, that's not being um, fearful. That's being uh, wise, especially in our day and age. Um, Maybe growing up in the 50s, 60s, 70s, um, you don't have to be, quote unquote, hyper vigilant. But nowadays, at least have a, a eye of vigilance of where you're going to if if something came down, you don't spend all day at the mall like, OK, what's going to happen? What's but at least be aware of your surroundings and what if it just quickly, what, what, where would I go, especially an exit because there could be a fire. And that's right. not even talking about something, a shooting, a right. fire. It could be an earthquake. Right. Uh, if you're in the Midwest, a, a tornado. So. That's even that's smart. That's wise. But uh, going back to, you know, with criminals being on the loose, whether they're illegal or not, you have to now. It's, it's it would be foolish for us not to be aware of our nearest exit, uh, what we might play out even at home before we go. Hey, we're going to go to this mall. What would we do just to prepare yourself in case we need that rather than be prepared and not use it? Then just be foolish and just say, oh, what happened? By that time, it's too late. It's too late. I know. That's what I say. All right. Well, I want to ask this question, too. God loves the stranger and the foreigner, right? But he is also a God of justice and law. And I just came across this verse even in thinking about this. When Solomon dedicated the temple in 2 Chronicles, I'm going to read this, 6, 32 through 33. It says, moreover, concerning a foreigner who is not of your people Israel, but has come from a far country for the sake of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm. When they come and pray in this temple, then hear from heaven your dwelling place and do according to all for which the foreigner calls to you, that all peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you as do your people Israel, and that they may know that this temple, which I have built, is called by your name. So 
it's just kind of that's kind of a beautiful I think truth and a beautiful phrase and you know all the nations to know who God is I mean that was part of what happened even yes. you know in the in the Pentateuch was God doing what he did and displaying himself so that all these pagan nations would know him. So right. God established the law and government. We are to abide by the law and the borders. That's part of it. That's important to the to the Lord, law and land and borders. I mean, you read the allotment of lands parceled out to the tribes of Israel. Yes. God is very specific. This is who gets what, where and when. So he is a God of geography. Yes. <laughs> and we know that that um, he's not confused. God is organizational, you know? Yes. So that's part of just his character and who he is. So how can Christians, when we're balancing this, Anthony, respond rightly to the border crisis? Yeah, well, I would say the first thing, I, I deal with this, I'm a Christian, I'm dealing with it, is the first thing is to pray. Uh, ask for God to direct your thoughts um, biblically, um, not how we feel or just what we think off our cuff, but really dig deep as you did, bring some scripture into it and see what, what God will reveal to you. And if we were in scripture, yes, God is lover of strangers and foreigners. But like you said, as you come here illegally, let's just say that as you come here, you're, you're, you're committing a sin. Um, and we're here, and I, I think I read on uh, some doctrine at Grace Community Church that um, the, the leaders had wrote a, um, a chapter, an article on it, um, Yes, they, as pastors and as elders and as leaders of the church, they're not here to enforce the law, but they're here to push you to read the word. And biblically, the Lord will convict those here are legally to do the right thing, whether it's seek proper processing to remain in the United States legally or if, pray that the Lord convicts you. And if you feel the Lord convicting you to leave and you can repent of the sin doing illegal activity here, go back and come here legally. That would be the proper way. Um, but yes, just because God is a loving God and God is a, a God of grace and mercy doesn't mean he's not a just God. It doesn't mean he's not a, a God that he, uh, his wrath and judgment come on those that commit sin and continue to live in sin. It is hard, but you can't allow emotions to overtake the truth. So us knowing the truth need to learn how to balance the truth in love, but also continue to love in truth it goes in hand in hand um so with that said it's just it's a tough thing but i, I i'm not gonna give you the answer i would say dig in the word get wise biblical counsel and i i think with that being said i think you would know what you need to do if you were here illegally um whether it's like i said apply for you know a legal uh, residency in the united states or go back to i'm just gonna use mexico Go and then apply for legal residency there and wait till you get a permit to come to the United States and you'll have a free conscience. You'll be, uh, you won't be sinning in that area because we know what it talks about in First John. If you continue to sin, uh, are you a real follower of Christ? Mm -hmm. um, so as a Christian, I would say, really dig into it. Get some wise counsel from leadership, from a church, um, from a, not a sound doctrine church, and uh, move forward from there. Pray about it, but I, I really believe that you'll be um, convicted by the Lord on what direction and path to take. Those are excellent and wise words, and I couldn't agree more. And I really like that you brought that out because it is sin if you're breaking the law, right. and God does not bless that. I right. mean, it may seem like it for a while that everything is okay, but conscience, you know, yes. that's an issue. And then sin, it doesn't go well with you when that's happening in your life. And so those are really important things to remember. And then 
the Lord's, of course, sovereignty. Correct. I know people that have become Christians, right, and then gone back. Yes. Because they realize that this was wrong, and they want God to then restore that and take care of it. And and he will. Either he'll right. bring you back or he won't, depending on what, you know, how you're going to serve him and where he wants you to serve him. So that's really a good word. And then, like you said, for us who are just natural-born Christians in this country, to be measured with the right amount of love and justice just like everything else yes. in terms of responding to right. what's happening. So we pray and we know God is in sovereign control and we encourage people to do what is right. Yes. Yeah. Amen. That's so yes. great. Okay. Just a few more questions. Globalism. I don't know if you think too much about this. I do all the time because I'm an end times fanatic, but globalism <laughs> and becoming like a one world government and one vision, that's all what the last days lead up to because the antichrist and all of that. Right. But do you see with all these open borders, kind of that type of thing playing into the agenda. And I kind of think about that in terms of the people that you even work with. Do they just see it as, well, this is just par for the course. The Christian guys probably see it as fitting into Bible and Bible prophecy and whatnot. Yeah. But, but do people just think, well, this is just what's going to happen. Maybe we're going to be overrun. We're trying to, to, to stay the tide, but we're all just going to end up in one world anyway and that type of thing. <laughs> yeah, it's funny that you say that. Honestly, I, I think it's it's so strange the the morale or the, the atmosphere at work um, or even when I go to Texas, wherever I'm at, the atmosphere is we're getting so much pushback by those that are supposed to be leading us. And I'm talking about the administration that. I see a lot, majority, if not most, uh, officers pushing back and saying, you know what, no, if we're not allowed to um, enforce these laws, we're going to try our hardest to find the loopholes to enforce the laws. Um, so I don't see a lot of people talking about, oh, this is just going to happen, just let it go its course type of thing. I don't know if they're either not being vocal about it or not even thinking about it. But for me, um, yeah, I, I, I hear it all the time. I see it. Um, I, I'm I experience it and even listening. I, it's a, I don't even have a regular TV, but the times I do hear uh, the administration, I'll just say the president even talked about it straightforward. He said the new world order, new world order. Um, you go on different people say, oh, this is all a conspiracy theory. You can do uh, research on your own. The world um, economic forum, it's it's out there. Go look for it yourself. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Go look for it. And they talk about it. They, they do. Talk they talk about, about it. it freely, don't it's they? It's almost so much in your face that that they do it on purpose so people are like, oh, they're not going to believe us because we're just going to say it and they're just be like, oh, yeah, right. No, they talk about it so freely where it's, it's almost like, hello, it's it's hitting you, but you're just so blinded to And I think that's another key. People are just so blinded right now. God has given up, uh, given them over to their debased minds. Absolutely. I think that we're seeing, I, we're that. seeing that right now mm -hmm. at an increasing rate. Mm -hmm. yeah. I totally agree. That Romans scripture we are living yes. romans one yes <laughs> without a doubt and if you don't know what i'm talking about pick up your bible and if you don't have one immediately go out and get one that's what you need for sure if you're listening and you don't have one of those but read romans chapter one and we are living in romans chapter one so prophetic it's just incredible because what happens with the debased mind you can't even think straight and when you watch the news or you see what's going on you say that's right nobody is thinking straight these the worldly people are not thinking straight 
So I have just a couple last questions here for you, Anthony. And how have you seen God work when it comes to your job and opportunities to speak about the Lord and just even how God has moved in your life and heart as a result of the kind of work you do? Yeah, I'll give you one good example. I was uh, I, I picked up a young, younger, younger man, gang member from uh, a prison uh, in the east side, uh, Chino, should I say, um, and it was just a little, little thug, little knucklehead. And I seen myself in him. And mm-hmm. I said, but he just bugged me because he thought he was the coolest guy, the toughest guy. And he tried to, you know, what we call, he tried to uh, muscle up on us, be this tough guy. But he's, he's probably five feet, 120 pounds. And I looked, I'm like, really? You want to try to fight me? You're handcuffed. You're trying to make a name for yourself. Just stop. But at that moment, in my mind, I might not said it, thankfully, but in my mind, I'm like, that could be me without Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, that right. is me. That could have been me if the Lord didn't call me to him. It, I was so close up. I had to recognize and humble myself like he needs the Lord. Mm. He needs what I have, that grace, and he needs that forgiveness. Uh, I'm not saying I went out and gave him the gospel, but I stopped. Instead of being this tough heart, I'm going to, you know, uncuff you and, you know, put you in a, a, a hold move to, to your cell. I went and, uh, and I just humbled myself and, you know, talked to him in a respectful way, but kept uh, kept him to, or gave him his dignity at the end of it all he's like hey thank you sir for you know not trying to punk me i'm like well you know what i'm gonna give you what i would you know i would i i think you deserve in the sense as long as you're not trying to wrestle your weight out of this and then there's another way another story i had is that um we do i deal with some bad bad people and this guy he just committed a crime against a young person a young child and i, I was just i was just so disgusted and I w- and he had that one attitude of, hey, I deserve to be here. I've been here and I have a green card for 25 years. You guys can't do anything. And literally, we put him before an immigration judge. So he has time to fight his case. Nonetheless, he got removed to his country of citizenship. But I was enraged. But as I went home, I was reminded as I read the word, I was reminded that without God, I was going down that path once again. Um, it, it, sin is sin, whether it's a lie or whether it's murder, you know, we broke the law of God. We need forgiveness of our sins. So slowly but surely, after uh, throughout my 15-year career, my heart, it could have been hardened, but thankfully, uh, like most of my coworkers, thankfully I know Christ, and it's been softened. I've been, that heart of stone has been taken away, and I have a heart to, I'm the last, the last person, one of the last people to talk to these criminals before they get removed to their country, I'm the last, may, might be the last opportunity in America for them to hear the gospel. Am I going to do that or am I going to be ashamed of the gospel? You know, and I have long, a lot of times I've been ashamed of the gospel until I started picking up the book by uh, MacArthur, Unashamed of the Gospel, and it just convicted me. Um, I need to go out and I need to be that light in this dark, dark career field and in this dark uh, world in law enforcement. And I need to be that truth speaker and speak truth to these people that need to hear it. Um, so that's that's kind of in a nutshell, the two stories I have. And it's just, but on the, there's another one where there's someone here that I know, a friend of mine, and he's here illegally. And that's where it's like, whoa, I've been able to talk to him. He got caught up with ICE, and now he's going through proceedings to get removed from this country, but he's a Christian, and he's not fighting it. He thought he was here legally because he was. He's Right now, he is here legally. He has a green card, but his past crime is catching up to him. So now he's like, wait, what's happening? So I'm trying to explain to him 
through an attorney that he has is that you're here legally, but you're going through removal proceedings. And by God's grace, you're going to be able to stay here or God has a plan for you to go back in your home country. Um, but I'm praying for him. I can't let my emotions get the best of me. That's the whole point of law. We, we enforce the law and theology comes right behind it. We can, I can love that brother from the country he's from or if he God gives him the grace to stay here because of he doesn't get removed to his country, I can love him here. Nonetheless, he has a changed lifestyle. He's been forgiven and now he's walking with the Lord, evangelizing and telling others, don't follow the pathway I followed and you won't get into the trouble that I'm in. So... Right. Those are great stories, actually. And I just love that bottom line heart of yours that says there, but for the grace of God, we know this go I and I could have been that person, but God rescued me and how that has softened you. And I just think that that is a lovely truth. That's what the Lord does. He says we could be judgmental about what this person is doing or that person is doing, but we could have wound up easily in that same predicament. And we have this glorious opportunity like you with these people who, you know what? They all need hope and they all need the Lord. It doesn't matter what country you're from. You need to know and hear, understand and receive the gospel wherever you are. And so I love the unique opportunity too, really that you have upholding the law, but also God has put you there as somebody who is also giving grace and showing humility and showing love, even at the moments where, like you're saying, you get frustrated with right. the whole process. Yeah. <laughs> God has given you such a, just a unique position he to has. be his ambassador. Yeah, and it's just, I'm just thankful. I pray every night and I'm thankful that I'm in this position. Like I said, I'm I'm the, the last, um, not me particularly, but I, I'm able to speak the last truth possibly before something next happens in their life. So if I'm the last person to be able to give them the gospel, I'm thank you, God, for allowing me this opportunity. Isn't that wonderful? Yes. I mean, like you said, if they're leaving our shores, if right. you will, and the last thing that they hear is who Christ is and how their life can be transformed right. and how they need salvation, Wow. I mean, really, that's such a pinnacle moment in someone's life. Yeah. And so that's really wonderful. I'm glad you're there. You know what, Anthony? <laughs> we are all glad that you are there. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, this has been a delightful conversation, and I, I am just thrilled to talk to you. This has been super fun and super informative. And um, thank you just so much for your time. Yeah, thank you for having me. And uh, hopefully in the future we could, you know, I'll give you updates. Uh, yes. Current events. Yes, we will do an update current <laughs> right. event. Everybody just watch out for that. <laughs> Definitely we will talk again. Thank you thank so you much. Thank you for your time.